Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Small Biz Gone Viral, where we look at how the pandemic is affecting small businesses and the humans that run them. I'm your host, Grant LeBeau. Today's guest is somewhat of a childhood or at least young adult hero of mine, the director of San Diego's longest-running improv show, Gary Kramer. Spoiler alert, today's story of a business model predicated on a crowd of people sitting shoulder-to-shoulder, indoors, for long periods of time, is a bit of a downer. But hopefully it is a reminder to listeners of the joy the arts bring and how we can support them through this time. TLDR, buy some gift certificates. All right, let's get to the fun fact. Today's fun fact keeps the downer theme going strong. In 2020, the United States saw minus 3.5% GDP growth. That is the worst since 1946, when the U.S. wound down post-World War II spending. Keep in mind that 3.5% would have been even worse if it had not been for the first couple of good months pre-pandemic. And now on to our quick quantitative segment, facts and figures. Starting with COVID-19, the world crossed yet another negative milestone, surpassing 100 million confirmed cases. While the world adds a half a million new cases each and every day, the U.S. is making up nearly 30% of that, adding over 159,000 daily. The good news is that number is trending in the right direction, down more than 30% from 235,000 just two weeks ago. Unfortunately, the decrease in loss of life tends to lag a couple of weeks behind, which means we are still seeing near-record numbers of Americans dying each day, averaging just over 3,300. Hopefully that number plummets soon as we escape the post-holiday surge and the vaccine is administered to our most vulnerable populations. Slight bit of good news, unemployment decreased about 6% from the past week, though still 900,000 first-time filers. The stock market fell noticeably for the first time in many months, with the Dow down 1,000 points from last week to just a hair under 30,000, though that's still up 30% since the cliff the market fell off of to begin the pandemic. This show doesn't have time to give this next story its full due, but I have to mention the short squeeze on GameStop stock created by a group on Reddit who decided to stick it to the man, aka hedge funds, by paying more for a stock than it was worth. If you are interested in learning more, I highly recommend a recent episode by Planet Money that explains in more detail. That makes econ kind of fun, I guess. My guest today is Gary Kramer, the artistic director of National Comedy Theater, which has performed continually in San Diego for over 20 years. They are the longest running show in the history of the city with over 6,000 performances to date. Gary is also the executive director of Unscripted Learning, a nonprofit which uses improvised theater to work with students on the autism spectrum. Recently, Gary was the executive director and vice president of the board of the San Diego Performing Arts League. True to his nature, you will enjoy the levity Gary brings in delicately telling the story of the pandemic's potential for closing his theater and the long-lasting impact on the arts while still leaving room for laughter. Gary, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for virtually having me with you. Yes, I just want to let you know. I, well, you already know this, but I want to let the audience know. You're the closest thing I've had on this show to a celebrity. <laughs> uh, that's terrible. I really feel bad for you. I mean, that's you set the bar very low. Well, and I guess what I mean by that is 
well, besides the obvious, I mean, I'm sure it's hard for you to even walk around in San Diego without being recognized and just showered with yeah, know, it's, babies it's, to it's kiss awful. and and flowers. Yeah, it happens and, all the time. Yeah. yeah, can't go out in public. Yeah, I and mean, that that's just community theater for you. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, I've I've been watch I've been coming to your shows and I've been watching National Comedy Theater for. 15 plus years. So obviously uh, I'm super well-versed in, in what it is that you do and the, the magic of, of your very high quality, very funny improv. But for those of our listeners who have not come to watch national comedy theater, which honestly, when most of my friends come to watch or come to San Diego, I you're very high up on the list. Uh, but go ahead and explain what it is that national comedy theater is. What is it famous for and why, if they were in San Diego, would they want to come watch? Well, first of all, thank you for all that. And you know, we were wondering who that guy was that was in the audience every week. It was you. I didn't realize that at the time. It's it's dark. It's hard to see faces when we're doing the show. So I didn't realize that was you the whole time. So thanks for same, being there. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much the same every over fifteen years. You haven't changed at all. Um, we opened in nineteen ninety nine. We're an improvised or improvisational comedy theater, and we've been running continuously in the same place on India Street, Mission Hills. Since then, so we've done about six thousand shows somewhere in that neighborhood. I think we might have crossed six thousand. I don't who who's counting anymore, really. And um, apparently, just me. You're the one that's counting. If you can show me the tally tally sheet, I kept so, all my tickets. I'll just count my ticket stubs. Oh please! I, if, if only we actually gave out tickets, physical tickets. You know, we used to do the show. Our reservation system used to literally be a piece of paper with names written on it in pencil, and we would just tick them off. And it was so much easier for us than this complicated ticketing system that we have now. But we do a show with no script. So we run a show that runs about an hour, 45 minutes or so. We do five to six shows a week, depending on the week and what's what's going on, about 300 shows a year at the theater right now. Not right now, when we're in operation, but we'll get to that. Yes. And the show's different every single time. It's it, never the same show twice. It's all improvised based on audience suggestions. So we don't know what the show is gonna be in advance. The audience doesn't know what the show is gonna be in advance. And we have no idea why anyone pays to see us. It makes no sense at all. But there's a sucker born every minute, someone once said. So there you go. Uh, I'll tell you why. It's, it's because it's it's the the best value for your for your dollar as as for for a night on the town for entertainment. And what are your tickets like? Twelve dollars or something? You yeah, like that. They're twenty. They're twenty. But close. You got the two in it. So, you should uh, charge more. That, that's all I know. <laughs> Trust me, uh, I'm, I'm a business guy, okay? Step <laughs> one, raise your prices. Make more money, raise prices. You're brilliant. I never really thought of that because we were giving the show away for free for all these years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it ranges. Uh, it's it's affordable. It's 15 to 20 bucks a ticket, I, I think, is what our, it was when last I checked, which has been a while. And uh, we don't charge drink minimums. It's not your typical comedy club thing where you get in and then they rip you off for drinks. That's not what we do. And... Uh, yeah, we try to keep it affordable so anyone can come to see it. And we'll have three generations of people sitting in the theater at any one time. We'll have teenagers, we'll have uh, you know young adults, and we'll have senior citizens all in the theater at the same time on any given show. What else besides you You do the live shows? You have the, what is it, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, generally with maybe... Yeah, Thursday through Sunday, our main stage, Friday, Saturday, but we have, we have shows four nights a week, Thursday through Sunday. You have the main stage and then the... the... So the main stage cast is on Friday and Saturday nights, and we have two shows a night. We have a Sunday company, uh, which is sort of our our next generation Your triple A team, team. up and coming. They're triple A, but so few people understand the the baseball metaphor. I do it all the time as a huge baseball fan, and then everyone looks at me like I have three heads. And I go, okay, well, like you're talking about right. batteries or something. It makes them <laughs> good. Yeah, it's it's our which would make them very very tiny, and they're not. They're normal sized people, right? Yep, and. We have a college team made up of just college students throughout San Diego, and we have our house teams, which are our newest performers, and they're kind of new in our system, and we're working our way up through the ranks to get to the main stage, hopefully, at some point. And I so there's say, four different casts. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say uh, that my sister Stevie is also taking your, your classes. She's in our classes, absolutely. And Stevie, if you tell me that you listen to this episode, I'll give you a dollar. Holy smokes. There's no way she's going to get that dollar. There's no way. <laughs> that is a good segue. How else do you, how else does National Comedy Theater uh, make money? Where's the money come from? Yeah, we wonder that a lot. You know, one of the early things uh, I learned and one of the few business lessons I've actually learned, I was a theater major. 
they don't teach you any of this stuff, right? I was an actor, you know, like acting, business, where those two things have nothing. We're artists. Right. You are an done. actor. Absolutely. It's all in the arts. There's, the commerce means nothing. Well, you, you do that long enough, you only perform for your parents in the basement, you know, which I've done, you know, and uh, I got tired of that. So, yeah, the, one of the few business lessons I learned was you need many pillars, many streams of income to hold up the business. And if we relied only on ticket sales, that's a terrifying way to run a business because it rains once in a while and everybody stays home. Or the Super Bowl is on the next day and no one's going out. Or it's, it's a holiday or something. And all of a sudden your income goes to zero. And uh, we didn't want that to happen. So we teach classes. And that's also where we get a lot of our talent from is through our classes. So we have a, an array of different classes happening at any one time. We do private events and corporate shows. So we performed for Apple Computer and Hewlett Packard and Blue Shield and Xerox and all the letters of the alphabet. We've performed for at some point when they do their annual meetings or what have you. We do team building events. So we'll go into corporations. We'll teach them to do what we do, but to do it uh, the lessons of what we do within their organization. So a lot of improv is about listening and creating a shared narrative and saying yes to ideas, the concepts of improv are that. We've developed a way to teach that on a corporate level. So we'll go into corporations and we explain how that works. It's our team building programs. Um, yeah, those are our main sources of income, you know, private shows, the main show, classes, you know, workshops, private events, and then we sell popcorn and man, the markup on that is, is delightful. So which is great, great markup your, your, your on popcorn. popcorn. Isn't even that, isn't even that expensive. That, I, that's how much money we make off of it. it it's you, you make dollars and it costs you pennies. It's, it's the greatest thing in the world. If I could just sell popcorn for a living and not do all this ridiculous comedy stuff, it would be great. I I'd live a better life. When I want to make that, <laughs> that improv theater money. Go ahead to pop. Yeah, the big, yes, live theater money. It's it's huge. It's just crazy. So speaking of getting into things for the money and mm. selling your soul, how did you get into improv? Um, you know, it's funny. The Everyone's got their own way of how they got in. I was a theater major in college, as I mentioned. Improv terrified me. I hated it in college. And I was at sort of conservatory for the arts sort of theater schools and they make it very, very serious. And it, you're doing it wrong, you know, and you get yelled at and scolded. It was all the things that kind of cliche things that you may have seen in movies or whatever about these terrifying theater schools. And I hated it, I was terrified of it. Anytime they said, okay, we're gonna do some improv, I would just slink down in my seat. So it's sort of bizarro that I ended up doing it for a living. Um, I was an actor in LA and uh, my older brother was doing improv at the time. And this is early, this was not as ubiquitous as it is right now. Uh, there were no improv clubs in every street corner or there were no improv clubs in every corner that you see now. And uh, I saw a couple of videotapes of what he was doing. He was in Milwaukee and I was saying, my God, that's what we used to do growing up. We used to do a lot of sketches and we were very, kind of theatrical family. And he said, yeah, this is just like the same stuff we did. And we used to make cassette tape recordings and do parodies of TV shows and things like that. And it just, something went off in my head and I started studying it sort of more professionally. And all of a sudden you turn around and you're on stage. And that's what usually happens to most people. Like it seems like five minutes later and you're facing the audience. And uh, that's how I first got into it. And then I ended up running a cast in Santa Barbara for about nine years. Uh, and we opened in 91. That was still kind of the dawning of widespread improv. It was before Whose Line Is It Anyway? That, that was exactly what I was just going to say. Is there is there kind of a, a definitive like BC, AD kind of moment with? Yeah, I, I mean, it depends on who you ask, right? In the, the second city has been around for a long time. And there were other theater companies, Compass Theater and whatnot that they were doing improv for years. I mean, back to the seventies and sixties that were doing uh, sort of public improv comedy, similar to what you would see today in style. But the, where it just exploded was probably in the mid nineties. I'm no historian, Grant, but uh, I, I think that's just what I noticed 
when Whose Line hit the BBC first, it was on British uh, television first, but we were seeing it here. It was on like PBS or something like that with a lot of the same cast. And um, that's when it, when we first saw it, we were thinking, oh no, this is going to be the death of us. You know, um, when stand-up comedy hit TV hard, I think it was on A&E, it started closing all the stand-up clubs in the country. There was something like 70, 80% of the clubs closed because you could see for free on television, why are you going out to a club and spending, you know, a hundred bucks to go on a date and two drink minimum, the whole thing. So, all, I mean, it was like terrifying had they all got wiped out. And uh, we thought, oh no, this is it. You know, this is gonna hurt us, but it did the opposite. It really kicked it into high gear because no one knew what we were doing. And we tried to explain to people what we did and it made no sense. You know, there's no elevator pitch for it or there wasn't. Right. You know, what do you do? Well, we do a show with no script, no script. What do you mean? You know, well, it's based on the audience suggestions. What do you get? Do people write into you? Like, no, they sit, you know, and you yeah. get to these conversations and you shouldn't have to have that conversation, but people didn't know what it was at that point. And so, yeah, that's when it really started to, you know, kind of get busy with us. And in 99, we opened in San Diego and that really kicked at least my business into high gear that this location worked really well, way better than Santa Barbara. It's a, obviously a bigger city. And that was it. That was 21 years ago. Yeah, yeah it's almost what, 22. 15, 20 times bigger than Santa Barbara, something like that. So sure. Okay. I'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, again, kind of a numbers <laughs> guy. So <laughs> I'm no historian. Well, that doesn't make so any sense. So as a, I'm, as a comedy uh, historian, I'm no a, cartographer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so kind of as, as we look to like, as we always wrap up this, the, the pre-COVID set segment, one of the things we like to do is kind of put a, a quantitative spin on things mm-hmm. in our, in this segment that I like to call the no spin zone. Okay. Uh, <laughs> My favorite uh, networks. Thank you for that. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to, to William O'Reilly, <laughs> who avid listener. Yes. <laughs> Comes out to our show all the time. <laughs> love, lo- loves yeah. improv. Yeah. <laughs> loves to laugh. Quite a funny guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> th- threw me off there. So uh, back to th- back to the quants here. Yes. So you've quants. been, so as one of the, the long, as the longest running um, improv theater in, in San Diego, I would imagine that most years are somewhat similar year over year. Like the, you're not looking for that, that, Silicon Valley explosive, you know, thousand percent year over year growth. I mean, you're looking for it. We're but looking not for expecting it. it. <laughs> so let's go ahead. It. Right, right, right. <laughs> so let's go ahead. And you already said that you do about 600 shows a year. 300. Uh, 300 shows a year. Right. Sorry, you do, yeah. You've done 6,000 20 years. Okay. Right. That makes sense. Yep. Okay. So 300 shows a year. Uh, how many uh, corporate events? How many workshops? How many, cl- how many uh, classes? Oh, wow. all, all those types of things. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, and so, and how many people are on payroll? One oh man, questions. you see, I didn't realize this was going to happen. I thought it was going to be a fun, happy. I'm trying to anecdotes. I'm trying to pin you down, man. Who'd you meet that was famous? Those sort of things. But uh, yeah, let's see. Um, you know, it, it's funny. It's it's cyclical, right? So some years are are more corporate, and some are less, just depending mm-hmm. on. I'll give you a quick example. I'm not dodging the question. I'm, I'll come up with the answer in a moment. But in 2008, 2009, when the economy crashed, all of our corporate events went literally to zero. It just went to, to zero because they just, you know, they would have been, uh, one of the first things to and torches would have shown up if, if uh, AIG was doing a corporate event, you know, and people didn't want to see a bunch of uh, corporate executives having a big party and right. being entertained. No laughing. Know? No, well, we we did a show for American Express literally the week that everything was crashing in New York City. And before we walked on, the organizer walked up and said, hey, before you go on, you should know uh, a third of them are losing their jobs next week. But they don't know. They know that's happening, but they don't know which ones are losing their jobs. They just know that one third of the people in the audience will be fired next week. You know, have a good show. Anyway, have fun. And it was literally a minute before we went on that they announced that and then they brought us in and it was the longest 90 minutes of my performing life. Like I'll never get that time back. No one will. 
Yeah, it was awful. It was it yeah, was t- silence. tough crowd, huh? <laughs> it was it was silence for ninety minutes. We couldn't do anything, and we knew it too. Like, what are we doing here? And you could see they were all just murderous, staring at us like they've spent money on this comedy group, and I lost my four hundred one k. You know, it was terrible. So, what what was interesting, you know, the human casualties aside from that whole thing, when our, our corporate stuff went to zero, our box office business doubled, doubled. Uh, we sold out almost every show throughout I, 2009. It must have been right. I, I think I could be right. And yeah, um, yeah definitely. It, 2008. It was like during during the depression. Uh, movies were huge because it was inexpensive escapist entertainment. Right. And so that's what our box office turned into. No one went on vacation. They stayed home. And so we were there. We were in San Diego. And um, we were very, very busy. And we were in New York at the same time. So we were, both of our theaters were doing extraordinarily well. However, we lost a third of our business because all of our corporate went away. And it kind of balanced out. And we were able to recognize the wave of the economy getting better because our corporate business came back. So, you know, that being said, um, we do, you know, depends, you know, I'll say 50 or 60 corporate events a year. Okay. um, Total, uh, maybe a little bit less than that, maybe 40 to 50 a year. And Um, what percent of your overall revenue would you say comes from corporate? On an average year, and we've been doing this long enough that I can sort of calculate what the average would be. Uh, maybe a quarter of our revenue is corporate. Maybe um, 20% is our classes, I think. Uh, maybe a little less than that. Uh, maybe 15% of our income is classes. Um, popcorn is about 80% of our income. Uh, and uh, I wish I could sell more, man. I wish I could sell more of that. Uh, so you so, make 120% uh, of what you make. That's, that's pretty much what it is. So there's my math off. I told you I was a theater major. So... Um, yeah, you know, I think overall, probably our box office, I'd have to adjust the numbers now that I'm thinking forward. Uh, yeah, our box office is probably about 60% of our okay. income, I want to say. That's probably where it is, somewhere around there. So it's fickle. You know, audiences are fickle. They they show up or they don't, and you never know why they do or they don't. We, we sometimes um, reverse engineer what happens, you know, well, why did people not show up last week, you know, and we're always trying to figure that out. So, but yeah, that's about the, um, I think the breakdown, even though my numbers don't add up to a hundred percent. So I I think that's a a great place to kind of, uh, put a pin in it and take a quick break with our unsponsor. Unsponsor, of course, is a small business who doesn't know they're getting a shout out, but they're, it's an awesome business run by awesome people producing an awesome product. They deserve the shout out. They just don't pay for it. So we got, you know four out of the five things there. Uh, So Gary, tell us who is today's show not brought to us by? It's not brought to us by uh, a good friend of ours, our next door neighbor. We really like uh, Shakespeare's Corner Shop. And that's shop spelled with the old English way with the S-H-O-P-P-E. Shoppy, we would say. And what what do they do? What do they have? Why, Why should people go to that website? Oh, okay. So I thought you were going to say that. So no, I don't, I don't uh, I, never, heard, <laughs> never shopped there. I never, I and never I won't there. shop there unless you tell me why. <laughs> you won't shoppy there. Yeah, uh, You'll never catch, catch me the shopping there. <laughs> uh, no, they're great. It's a, a small place. Um, they do all sorts of uh, British uh, foods and whatnot that they sell. And it's it's funny. You hear all the accents outside right in front of our theater. And they sell all the... It's stuff you and I would never think of buying the British chocolates and British teas and British, yeah, the, the British goods. And they do an afternoon tea service. And it's really funny. They'll be doing tea and they'll do like, it's Harry Potter day. And they'll like read selections on Harry Potter while everyone's sitting around drinking tea and eating sandwiches. And it's really adorable. And they've been there for almost as long as we have, I think one year less than we have. And they're, they're still rolling along right during the COVID and everything. They're able to, to keep going because of, of how their business is set up. You actually just sold me on this. I was honestly a hesitant when I knew that when I when I read that you were gonna that you were planning on giving uh, Shakespeare Shoppy a dot mm-hmm. com a shout out. I I was hesitant, and just off based off that, I feel like that would sounds like a really a fun little afternoon. It's, uh, it's really cute. Something different mm-hmm. off the beaten path, kind of a, a fun little date date day date night. It is a it, it, absolutely yes. Yeah, so you have to wear like a little uh, hat. 
it's usually mostly mostly women having to tease there, but uh, I've seen men there too. Yeah, they do like bachelorette parties and you dress like an old Englishman there. You can wear a monocle and do the whole stereotype, the monopoly stereotype. Well, perfect, because I never go anywhere without my monocle. Fantastic. <laughs> For those of you who who uh, you know are at home and, and you can't see me because you're not part of the Zoom, I'm definitely wearing a monocle right now. <laughs> tell them, yeah, Gary. Not on your face, though. Yeah. It's tell, no tell them. It's a belly button monocle, but it's, it it's hip. There's only one. You have to, you know, what does a monocle do? You have to squint the other eye. Yeah. All right. So moving on to our segment, mid-COVID, where we're basically going to talk about all of the really fun and, and uh, uplifting ways that COVID has affected <laughs> you and, and your business and uh, okay. people, the people behind it, which the show is really all about, the, you know, the people behind the businesses. So uh, I've I found that it's best to kind of just approach this as a, as, a, as a timeline, which starts off with what was the first real impact that you felt, your, your, kind of your, your, first, me- your first business memory uh, of, of COVID? Well, you know, we all saw it coming in February, uh, late February is when I think that was the before times, you know, yes. uh, I, I think is when we started going, oh boy, if this is actually coming here, this is like not, oh, it just happened to the other people. This is happening to us and it's, it's a storm is gathering. And, you know, I think it was even the last week of February, we were doing shows and it was like, wash your hands, everyone, <laughs> you know, and we had, we had hand sanitizer in the lobby. We were so innocent then and right. everything seemed fine. And if you have then, COVID, don't cough on your neighbor. All right, let's do the show. That's what it was, right? It was, uh, you know, if you feel sick, don't come out to the theater. And a week into March, we closed. It was that sudden. It's, we were watching out all the other theaters saying, are we, are we closing? Is this going to happen? And it wasn't very hard to make the decision. You know, I think March 8th or 9th was our last show and then just stopped cold. And that was it. Um, that would make sense. Cause I think, I think March 15th was when the national emergency was declared. So yes, yeah, we that, were already, that, I think we were already close like a, a hair ahead of that. You're right. Well, first they came out and said no groups less than like 500 and we're like, Oh, well, we're fine. And then like five minutes later, they said, no groups smaller than 50 or larger than 50. And well, that's, you know, we have more than 50 people in the audience and uh, hopefully. And uh, so we immediately closed. And yeah, we did not do shows, whatever it was, the 13th and 14th or 12th and 13th. We were closed by then. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And um, we were making plans. You know, we're looking at the calendar. We're like, okay, well, that's fine. You know, we've got some classes starting up next week. Oh, what do we do? Do you think we'll be open by next week? <laughs> you know, I think... It's amazing that we were thinking that way. But, yeah. You know, the whole world was thinking that. And we thought, well, let's wait until kind of like, like April 15th. Can we handle a month off? No, I don't know. We've never been closed for a month before. <laughs> and uh, I, all right, just we'll have to tighten our belts a little bit. But okay, April 15th, we'll reopen. And, you know, and here we are. So uh, live theater was the first to go. Absolutely. Any, any live event was the first thing to be shut and will be the last thing to reopen. So yeah, we won't be open until September. We don't think I, I yeah. can't imagine it'll be as early as August, but you know, and, we'll and wh- one of the things that we've talked about a lot on the show is, is depending on the business, we, we talk about adjustments and, and pivots that companies are able to make, you know, okay, you're a marketing company. Well, maybe you're not going to go after industry A. You're going to pivot to kind of industry like A1. That's kind of an offshoot right, of that initial right. injury. For you, like you have a brick and mortar that is whose business model is is premised off crowding as many people as possible right. into a it's closed, space. confined space. Right. For a and then, long for a long period of time. And laughing out loud, right? And the uh hopefully, depending on the show, and then the the actors facing the audience so we're looking towards each other, you know, and yeah, it was pretty much everything you could do to catch COVID is what live theater does, you know, <laughs> indoors. It's not even like being in a stadium or outdoors, at least. It's, you know, close court. It's a theater. So you're, you, you've got someone uh, two feet in front of you and two feet behind you and immediately to your left and to your right and the cast and everything. So, yeah, you know, we looked to pivot to what else could we possibly do? Can we take it outside? Well, we can't do live entertainment outside. That was part of the thing. We can't put people close together. That We still can't do that. And the show doesn't really necessarily work what, in the parking lot. You know, maybe we'll see in the spring, maybe that might happen. 
hey, we're doing a lot of stuff that we never thought we would do, right? So, yeah. Um, but we were able to. I would come. Would to outside the parking lot? You could yeah, sit, you know, come. honk your horn when you're I'm there right, right now. <laughs> Is that you? Yeah. So, you know, if you saw the inauguration or the even the um, the convention, I should say for the, the Democratic convention, they were just in their cars. It was just very weird. Yeah. You know, and we rely on the energy, the laughter of the audience to power the scenes. The actors get energized by the audience and and hopefully vice versa. And if they're not near you, it's hard. You know? So that's why on Zoom, it's very difficult to pull it off. The timing is very weird on Zoom. We've elected at least for the time being of not doing Zoom improv shows. The, the timing is just clumsy on it. And- um, That was one of my questions, yeah. Do, yeah, it's just, first of all, there's no laughter, right? You're performing to silence. It could, you, the audience can't have their microphones on or it, it would no one would hear anything. You right. wouldn't hear anything. And then the timing is tricky and it's all comedy is all about timing. Uh, so, I, you know, I've seen some online improv and it's, you know, it is what it is. We just wanted to maybe deliver a better product. And so we've, for now, we're not doing it. We'll see. Uh, but we are doing classes online and those surprisingly have worked uh, before your relative joined them. And uh, so the online classes have been have been very good. You know, there's ways of breaking it down that work online that's not so performance driven. It's more uh, learning how to do it, the philosophies behind it and putting it into practice can work on Zoom as well as anything can work on Zoom. You know, Zoom is always asterisk. But they've been surprisingly good, and those have been still going, although to a smaller degree than when we're meeting in person. So that would be my next question would be, you have, you said roughly 60-ish percent box office, so that's obviously down to zero and has no signs of really returning, in, at least in its original form, right. until the very end, you know, it were kind of on the that we have the, the colored tier system and we're in purple right now. And so basically like it's right. green or whatever the absolute best thing is. National comedy theater is not coming back in, in the way that I would enjoy it regularly. Right. We're, we're plaid. I don't know what our color is. I don't know what, we're, <laughs> what, what our, what our color code is by the time we get back. So yeah, yeah well, once, you, once you go plaid, I, you can't stop. It's too dangerous. Yeah, that's, that didn't even rhyme. Okay. So I thought you were going for rhyme. Once you go no, plaid, I, you never, Oh no! I I was going. You're a really between, good uh, lad. I was, I was I going with the spaceballs reference there. Okay, you'll always be glad. Okay, Space, <laughs> we're back to spaceballs. That yeah. was before we started recording this. We've we've gone plaid. <laughs> uh, you got to stop. We can't stop. It's too dangerous. All right, oh, I'll stop. Spaceballs. Yes. So sixty percent box office. That's gone. Uh, your corporate events. Uh, you were gone. saying that gone. A hundred percent. Gone. Oh yeah, yeah. A hundred percent gone. Yeah, right now we've we've done some. Um, uh, I, you know, that's not entirely true. So we've done some of our team building corporate training stuff online. So that's still going on Zoom, although that's not always what people are looking for, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, but we've done some really terrific online Zoom team building events. Has uh, that already. picked up at all? Uh, in the last couple of months, a little bit, a little bit. Because you know, my... it's it's. It's a lot less than when we're doing a live. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was. I'm just thinking, like, you know, you're you're saying all of these things kind of with with the caveat that, like, yes, things aren't as good as they would be in person, but like at some point, does it become these are the cards we've been dealt, and mm -hmm. these are okay, great. We just we get bad cards, and at some point, we we want to play a hand. So, what can we yeah. do with these cards? It, it depends on the organization. You know, if if the company or organization uh it's up to how they're thinking you know can mm -hmm. we do something virtually we can and we've been we actually worked out a way to do the team building online on zoom and it works great you know people are getting a little zoomed out and so we understand that as well mm -hmm. so as i'm doing the math here i'm seeing 60 percent box office that's gone 25 percent corporate accounts that's gone that leaves us basically with classes and those I'm getting depressed. This is sad. I didn't. I never looked at the numbers 
And now that you said them out loud, my God, what are we Gary, doing? I'm a numbers guy. Okay. This, <laughs> this is what I do. I'm here to terrible. rain on everyone's parade, get you down. And then that way, you know, I'm kind of like, a, I'm a cult leader here. Then you and I will bond together. <laughs> I'll follow you. That's You'll how it follow works. Me. <laughs> yeah. Break, break them down. For, I was feeling good about myself and how those, those numbers sound terrible. So, so they're actually well, worse than that. So, but you know, Oh, well, cause you lost 80, the whole world. Well, cause you lost your 80% popcorn. That's so, and the popcorn markup is gone. I, I've eaten so much popcorn because it's going to go bad if we don't use it. It's in boxes, you know. Everyone so, knows popcorn goes bad. Yeah, someone's got to eat it. So, <laughs> someone, someone's got to eat someone's it. Someone's got to eat it. I think. Listen, overall, I, I, you know, if you wanted a number, are, are we at that point yet? Or sure. Yeah. Let's, let's, do, the positive thing? No, let's, nope. let's get the negative out of the way, and we'll move on to the forward thinking. That's, philosophical like that. oh, approach like that. to live theater and what it means uh, to us. Uh, if you just, if you wanted to talk numbers, <laughs> dollars and cents, uh, we're probably down 95%. I, I think we're probably eking by on about 5% of what we uh, were doing when we were in operation. And that might be generous. I, I think that actually is generous. Let's go ahead and round up to five. You know what? We'll round up to five. Yeah, I haven't two two rounds up to five, right? We we've had several months of literally more than several months of literally zero income. You know, and um, it just stopped, right? Everything's up, and um, we had we had negative income for a bit because we were refunding pre-sold tickets. You know, that was that was wow. the fun we had in March and uh, early April. Yeah, people had paid for classes and and. Uh, shows and we were writing checks and we're like, you know, there's no money coming in right now. And so we were going, our, our net income was going back. I mean, our gross was going backwards because it's still bills and everything. Mm -hmm. Of course, it, just that just because we're not performing doesn't mean we're not paying bills. Um, but the money we had taken in, we were giving back at first. So that thankfully is over, I think, 10 months out. I don't know. Oh, I, I got yeah. I got some tickets that I I haven't. Uh, I haven't <laughs> oh no! I bought That's, tickets. For Gary, I've been calling you for months and you never call me back. Uh, it's, <laughs> we we kept selling tickets. I, I mean, started this no, whole podcast. It's a whole ruse just to get you on. <laughs> you know what? I remember when we went into the ticketing system and we were slowly taking the advanced tickets off, and it was okay. July, we'll, we'll take off all the tickets to July and we'll leave the August tickets up in August and on. And then by, you know, early June, well, let's take August and September down. And we kept pushing it and pushing it. And then we realized, okay, it's, it's permanently until we hear otherwise. I think people are just like, we've all wrapped our heads around it six months. I think, you know, we all originally thought maybe, okay, vac vaccine is here. How long can it take to get a vaccine out? Well, yeah, well, at a million people a day, we are, uh, newsflash, we have 330 million people in the U.S. Right. That's a year, right? That's a year at a million a day. Although my neighbor, Laura, again, shout Laura, if you if you're listening, same offer dollar. <laughs> uh, she just sent me an article that said um, that there is speculation that at this point, uh, 75 million Americans have had COVID. Although the numbers say somewhere closer to 25 million, like the official records, but how many people are, are staying at home or were asymptomatic or, right, you know, and, right. and, and never really showed up on any sort of official tally. So maybe we're a lot closer to that herd immunity. Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. It's, we never imagined anything like this. I'm not saying anything that everyone hasn't already said with my business. Uh, we, if we had a bad weekend once in a while, we'd go, oh man, that just, we had a terrible week, you know, or if we saw the weather coming in, I remember in New York, we used to get, it seemed like every weekend was when it would snow, you know, it's fine during the week and Friday night, there'd be a blizzard, you know, <laughs> keep everyone home. We get hit with Hurricane Sandy. I was there during Hurricane Sandy and it took out two weekends of our show. That's significant when most of our money comes in on the weekends. Right. And, um, and it, it wiped out half a month, you know, and that's like, take half of your salary and throw it away, everyone. That's how it feels, you know? And, uh, 
now it, it, it's going to be for live theater 18 months that's a year and a half of, of zero income you can't plan for that we had rainy day money put aside but it's been raining for 40 days and 40 nights you know and mm -hmm. um that we we burned through our rainy day money in april right. you, you built know? you built a dinghy not an ark exactly and the ark was only good for 40 days not not uh, a year and a half i was gonna do the math but i can't i can't do it yeah <laughs> 365 not plus half of 360 i've already lost so is it a leap year i don't know it's uh but yeah no one knew and with all the pillars of our business that we put in you know, it's just unprecedented that this one thing wiped out pretty much all of them. So, you know, one of the fortunate things we have is that we don't have inventory that our show is based on uh, the people. And for virtually all of them, this is a very part-time gig. So it did not affect our cast financially in a substantial way. Um, some of our people more than others, but mostly not. So mm -hmm. that was good. You know, they were taken care of um, as much as possible. You know, they were, had their own jobs to deal with and for the most part, because they make so little at the theater. And, uh, you know, we've, you, know, you move somebody here, you move somebody there, and we've been able to hang on so far. You know, how long can you have zero income? You know, well, yeah. we'll see about that. So, but, so two yeah. or three questions there. One, okay. do you rent the theater? Yes. And so the one family has owned our whole block for 40 years. So it's our theater and all the restaurants on our street and all the, there's homes behind us, cabins. Uh, one family owns the whole thing. It's good to invest in real estate, Grant. If there's one thing I can tell you, plastics, in no, San real Diego, estate. I don't know. If you, well, if you can go back in time and get real estate in the 70s, <laughs> yeah, that's it. what you should do. Get it in the early 70s and hang on to it. So, uh, yeah, we rent the theater, uh, which is fine. It's an old building. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but we've been renting for 21 years. So the landlord's been very understanding to this point. We hope the landlord stays understanding. Right. So essentially, you know, if it's if everyone else is laid off, you're you know, like you said, your your overhead is re essentially rent, and then well, some other yeah, ancillary. Uh, there is a burn rate. Yeah, I mean, we're still paying insurance and then right. internet and phone and you mm -hmm. know, upkeep and this and that, and, um, and there is pretty quickly, pretty quickly. I mean, it's thousands and thousands a month. Have you found that uh, that government support has been? How have you found it to be for supporting the arts? Um, you know, it's a mixed bag, uh, and look, everyone's hurting. Whether it's the arts or restaurant, I'll get to the answer in a second. Uh, but a, a lot of industries are hurting. Mm -hmm. I I work in the arts, but I do recognize that we're not the only thing in town. Even though you know. I place more importance on the arts than some other person might, but I, I do understand that, you know, the, the money can only go so far. Uh, so specific arts money, we really haven't seen uh, much of anything targeted to the arts, but we've been able to take advantage of a couple of the other programs that have come up, some a, a little bit of PPP funding, and we got a grant from the city, and we got a uh, grant from the county, and uh, some little things that have kept us afloat. Thank goodness for those those made a huge difference in being able to cover our insurance bills and our, you know, all the, the things that you have. People don't realize how many bills you have. Yeah. yeah. Well, you don't realize how many bills you have. There's a lot. Yeah. Lot. It, it sometimes the, those, those grants feel like uh, a gasps of air for, for yeah. the, you know, in yeah. between, in between the waves that you're, that you're, that are drowning you essentially. And you come Absolutely. up and you're like, Oh, great. County grant. Yeah. Okay. Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, we kept saying, okay, how much is it? Great. That bought us two and a half weeks more. Okay, fine. You know, we'll, okay. Over the next two and a half weeks, let's figure out, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit of money here. And so that's how it's been going. And things in the fall winter started to get scary because of the political climate and everything kind of stopped, you know, and the government money, certainly the federal money, 
nothing was going on with the whole election fiasco occurring. So we're very happy that things have started up again. So there's a couple of things on the horizon that we're, you know, we're applying for and we're trying and mm-hmm. doing what we can. Uh, but so is everybody, you know, we're, we're in the same line as everybody that's certainly the small businesses. Yeah. I mentioned earlier, well, I guess it wasn't really offhanded, but saying how you and I are like, we're both selling widgets with our, with our, right. Right. And what's funny is I'm thinking, well, okay, we, we also got a city grant, but we, we did not get accepted for the county grant. No. Essentially what I'm saying, Gary, is, is give me, give me that money. Give me that, give me that, give me that county money. (laughs) We just got, well, we just, we just did not get the latest state money. Oh, uh, neither did we. I don't think anyone did. And it's bizarre. I've spoken to a whole bunch of people who all applied at the same time. And uh, a week later, like, sorry, no, you know, better luck next time. We're going to do it again in February. Like, all right. I'm like, we perfectly fit that criteria. Where, where, who, 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 I was 100% on that. Every, every box I checked, I was, I, I was doing that um, cartoon uh, Daffy Duck uh, miser, like rubbing her hand, like, oh, yes, the money's coming in. Here it comes. Yeah, rub my hands together. We've got this. I'm, every box I'm checking is almost dead on. Uh, lining up with what the right. purpose of the grant was. And then it was designed in, in one, for you. Yeah, and absolutely, nope, <laughs> rejected. So, you know, so that was it. It was, I think it was 500 million and there were 300,000 businesses applying and, you know, five figure grants. And so it just, the, those numbers don't add up. Yeah. And so it's over. So we'll, we'll see next time, you know, we try to stay positive on it, yeah. but uh, we, you know, there's no way of knowing if you're going to get it or not. And it's a crazy way to run a business or to hang on to your business, to hope for money to come in from the government that you might have to pay back to and justify it. And uh, okay. I mean, unprecedented times. So yeah, where are we going to be if all the theaters close? Where are we going to be? I read somewhere that 30% of theaters may close permanently. That number really? sounds low. And, it does, but you know, some can come back and some, some operate, you know, on a budget of cookies and shoelaces, you know? And so, um, but my God, that's a huge thing. I mean, huge theaters and small, and that's not even counting the dance companies and art galleries and uh, symphonies and all the arts, how desperately they're getting hit. And not just the company, but all the people that work for them. You know, what, what do the dancers do? What, what, you're going to suddenly be writing code the next week, you know, what, what happens, the human capital yeah. and the arts just it's already an underfunded segment of our population and of our economy already struggling prior to this, as the arts always have historically, uh, then this thing came out and almost as horribly as it affected everyone, lives shattered, um, this particular industry got hit very, very hard, disproportionately hard because of the nature of yeah. how we do things. A I, lot of people in the small area. I, I have a sister who, she doesn't get a lot of mention on this show. Poor Jacqueline. But she recently graduated, or she graduated over, uh, I guess, COVID spring, I, I guess would be a way of saying it. Wow, yeah. uh, and she graduated from the Boston Conservatory as a, as a ballet, or as a dancer. And wants to go join a, you know, a, a modern company. Right. And no, you know, she was supposed to go Bad to, timing. she was supposed to go to Italy over the summer for, a, you know, for an <laughs> intensive. And I don't, places, you know, yeah. we don't remember because, you know, COVID times has, it seems like a million years, but Italy was one of the worst hit places in Europe. Right. Uh, literally like, you know, you weren't allowed to travel, you know, between cities. So, you know, what, what does she do now with, with all of that training and education and expertise? And those are skills that it's a skill set that that atrophies, which is something else, you know, for all of these people in the arts right. who, are, who are performers. What do you do? So, and there's going to be less opportunity if companies close. That's even less opportunity. Uh, and more for people. A dancer and actor to work. More. Right. So you're, incre- you're, you're decreasing demand if you're if you're considering employers to be the demand and you're increasing the supply because there's now a backlog of people who have been laid off right. or who never entered the workforce to begin with right yeah it's yeah. it's really a scary time in the arts right now and so you know we beg borrow and steal and we'll we keep going i don't know how yeah. much longer you know and and hopefully there is some light 
in this tunnel that we can see around the bend, you know, as you said, between the vaccine and herd immunity perhaps happening, you know, we get back to summer and see, you know, pick up the pieces and see what we got left. Yeah. I feel like that kid from, uh, from angels in the outfield, he's just like, it could happen. It's a deep (laughs) cut, but uh, so I think we we already entered into the pre-COVID side of this a, a little while ago as we started to kind of talk about like what what comes next and it, and I guess I, I'll leave this somewhat open-ended for you but basically what what does come next for the National Comedy Theater is is there something that you know you think you can do in the second half of of um, of COVID that you haven't done already or is it just is it just a waiting game? Well. <laughs> It's a good question. You know, we ask ourselves that every day too, because you know, going in, we didn't know how long it was going to be, and what do we try to create during this time? Are we going to build this whole infrastructure and then it's over? And we're like, oh, all right, throw out all the equipment. We're never going to use it, uh, and what works and what doesn't. So, several things. So, I think I told you I was going to mention this. One of we started a nonprofit uh, spinoff a couple of years ago called Unscripted Learning, and Unscripted Learning teaches improv to two major populations. One is uh, kids and teens on the autism spectrum, and the other is senior citizens. And we use improv on the autism side to teach social skills and using improv as a tool. And it's a fascinating program. It's been enormously successful so far and it's growing rapidly. And it's the coolest thing you've ever seen. And I can get back to that in a a moment. And then the senior citizen program, which is called Active Minds, part of Unscripted Learning, helps seniors to stay brain healthy and and improve cognitive ability and to fight uh, isolation that so many seniors feel. And we were doing those live and now we're doing them on Zoom. Uh, It took uh, a couple of steps to get the seniors to operate Zoom smoothly at first, but we're all learning Zoom and they get to meet each week. So those programs have actually expanded during COVID, believe it or not. And um, people want to connect with each other. Uh, both of those programs are all about people connecting with each other. And so if we're doing it on Zoom, we're doing it on Zoom until we can go back live again. So we've been able to focus some of our resources on the nonprofit, you know, that's a separate organization from NCT, but we're partners, and grow those programs a little bit, promote them a little bit, and uh, they've been great and help a lot of people, which has been fantastic. Um, on the National Comedy Theater side, we've done a couple of little things online. We've done a couple of uh, minor, uh, I don't say minor, but uh, small video things that we've done. And we'll probably do some more video, I would suspect, in the spring, uh, late winter, early spring. But something that we can do that we feel has the standards of what we do at the theater, uh, but yet on video. It, we just don't want to throw stuff up just because we're bored and to put up an inferior product. And so we'll try to get something solid together and then hope that we can kind of ride this out and get people back in, you know, increasing our classes, that sort of idea. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard to effectively do what it is that we do on Zoom. And so we'll attempt it, we'll do something, but it, it won't look like the show, but we, we've got a couple of ideas kind of kicking around a little bit. They're secret, I can't tell you. They're secret. Well, that does, uh, that puts me in a tough spot for my last question here, which oh boy. is- okay. How can our listeners find you? How can they support you? How can they get? How can they pay to get a taste uh, to to get to bring some uh, some happiness into their lives and what is right. or some some light in what has become such a is is a dark world if you if you spend too much time on Twitter or, or you know watching watching the news. Uh, so how, how can they both support the right. arts that are struggling and also get some light? Right. So it, it, it's probably inappropriate to say, bring a suitcase of cash and give an address, right? So that's not what you want to hear, probably. So we'll put that um, in the show notes. Okay, please. Yes, look at it afterwards. Well, you know, uh, not just us, but there there is some theater going on in San Diego uh, currently. And there are organizations that are producing online. Great. You know, I, I, I support the arts so strongly in the performing arts in San Diego. I was on the board of the San Diego Performing Arts League for eight years, which supports all the theaters throughout the city. And there are some theaters that are able to do what they do or variations of what they do uh, online, which certainly uh, is easier than doing an interactive online show. As far as National Comedy Theater is concerned, you know, it's, 
on the website, we will have announcements of what we're doing. <laughs> I don't have a specific to say, here's Aiken Sport National Comedy Theater today. Um, we we did a, a back a behind the scenes video in December, actually. And we're going to do another one, I suspect, in this spring. So this is how you how we do what we do is what the video was all about. And it was kind of a behind the scenes tour of National Comedy Theater. That seemed to be pretty popular. I think we'll be doing another version of it. I think we went to doing a musical version of it if we can get that together uh, in the early spring. It, it was really a, kind of a, a fun, cool thing explaining how we do. And we're running our classes. We have a lot of people taking classes that don't normally take any outside classes now that they're out of school. And a lot of people are diving into the improv classes just because it's like, oh, this is kind of a fun skill that I can pick up during COVID. You know? I should have learned to play the piano. I mean, 18 months off, I should come out of this with a skill. <laughs> I haven't, but it's not too late. And uh, improv is something that be picked up and used in all sorts of personal and professional situations. Uh, and so that's why we teach it. Most people who take our classes are not interested in performing. They're interested in using this to communicate better. So that is one way, yeah, jump into a class. And, um, and we'll, we also, we're gonna be selling gift certificates online as well for future shows. So that's one more thing. Good. If you wanna buy advanced tickets. Yeah, so I'll that is one way of doing tickets. it. And we'll, we'll get a link to that up on our website as well. And mm -hmm. uh, put, uh, let me answer this in, in the way that I was looking for, nationalcomedy.com. And on Instagram at NCT San Diego. That's it. Yes. So, so that's our Instagram handle. Good. Well done. I, I'm pretty sure you're right about that. I knew the website. The, I, the Instagram <laughs> handle. We don't do much of the uh, IG. We do Facebook because uh, uh, I'm an old guy and only old people are on Facebook, I think. So we love Facebook. We do some Instagram as well. And uh, yes, join us online. We'll see you online. Yes. Before we see you live, go to thefacebook.com. The Facebook. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, Gary, I, I'm really looking forward to, I mean, obviously for so many reasons for, for COVID to be over, but I honestly like, really high up on my to-do list when, you know, in that first week that we are allowed to go outside and, or go inside with a inside. bunch of randos. go outside to get inside yeah. yes H high up on my list is, is getting thank getting you. a good laugh in and coming down to the, the national comedy theater uh, in mission hill san diego i can't wait till i see your silhouette in the audience thank you to my guest gary kramer if you want a high value low cost hilarious night on the town check out nationalcomedy.com Buy some gift certificates now for shows to watch later and help keep the National Comedy Theater alive through the pandemic so it can keep us all laughing for decades to come. Time now for my unsponsor, aka a small business run by awesome people producing awesome products. They don't pay for a shout out, heck, they don't even know it's coming, but they still deserve one. So today's show is not brought to you by Vera Sun. Recommended by my wife and sisters, Severa Sun makes classically styled sunglasses for men and women with the idea that getting some sunshine should be part of your daily routine. Check them out at Virasun, V-I-R-A, Sun, S-U-N.com for all your style needs. Speaking of shopping small, check out smallbizgoneviral.com for a rapidly growing list of unsponsors and the small businesses run by our guests. There are now over 100 businesses listed that you have probably never heard of, but guaranteed will be impressed by. So vote with your wallet for the world you want to live in and shop small. Thank you, Peggy Bunker and the Bunkmates, for this theme song, Worldometer, NPR, Robinhood Snack, and Morning Brew Daily News emails, Statista, and my wonderful researcher, Kaylin Kwan. Someday this will all be over. Until then, fight the fatigue, social distance, and wear a mask. From an office in North Pacific Beach, recorded and edited before and after work hours, I'm Grant LeBeau, and this is Small Biz Gone Viral. And we're back, as always, with our quick bonus lightning round. Four or five quick questions. Depends on how quick the answers are, whether or not we get to five. Question number one, Gary, what is your least favorite question about your business to receive at a party? Well, that would be, uh, why do you guys need to rehearse when everything you do is made up on stage? If you're improvising, what are you rehearsing? It's a good question, Gary. <laughs>
What are some common misconceptions about your business? The, the devaluation of our performers, right? So you can work for free. What does it cost you to work for free? Come on, you just show up in just one hour and you could leave rather than uh, being able to recognize the years of study and rehearsal and practice that went into creating this product and this sort of talent. It's literally hundreds of times a year we get asked to do free shows with the attitude of, what does it cost you to work for free? That's a misconception that there's no value to talent, skill, rehearsal, and time that the performers all put in. Ex onto a happier subject, explain your feelings okay. when someone you just met at a cocktail party asks, so a stranger asks you, so what do you do? <laughs> uh, you know, when I, if I'm not going to see the person again, if it's one of those, they're all strangers and they will be strangers, I always kind of toy with the idea of making up something else because I just don't want to get into it. It just takes too long to explain what I do. So maybe making up and seeing how long I can get away with being some other profession. I, not like an astronaut, you know, that they would immediately know I'm not, but, you know, kind of come up with something, an architect or something that I know very little about, but can I keep the conversation going? But um, to be honest with you, the real answer is I just don't get invited to many cocktail parties. Oh, Gary. It's not not an issue. As soon as I the, have a cocktail party in please, yeah. 2027, when things reopen, you're there. <laughs> Otherwise, not applicable, that question. And we're going to we're going to take this uh, emotional roller coaster on another dip here. What are some of your biggest sources of stress from work? Um, you, you know, really, there's two major poles to this. You know, one is how do we ensure that we stay at the highest standards and continue at those standards in an ongoing show? Uh, and anyone can open a show for one weekend and do a decent show. But we are on 20 years of performances of the show. So how do we? keep artistically at that high level. And then the other prong of that would be the fickleness of audiences. They get interested in other things, other distractions, other reasons to go out at night, not to our show for any one of a thousand reasons. And how do we deal with the cyclical nature of audiences being it's busy, then it's slow, busy, and it's slow. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna we're gonna finish this on a high note as we always okay. do. Gary, what is your Great. favorite part about being a small business owner entrepreneur? I think it would be uh, the ability to create without limits. To not have someone saying, "No, you can't do that because I rank higher than you." Right? Yeah. So I have the opportunity to try something new and fail at it, and it's my fault. And but. I was able to do it because no one said no to me. I think that's probably, I think a lot of people might say that with their own business. It's certainly in a creative industry, uh, something that's paramount to what I really enjoy about it. Absolutely. S such a great answer. Thanks, Gary. Fantastic. Thank you for having me again.